It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. <laughs> hit the door and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome in on a Thursday. It's great to have you with us. Uh, Patrick Johnson here on the uh, PJ show for this uh, Thursday. We're, uh, if you're with us on radio, uh, less than 48 hours away from our pregame coverage beginning for East Carolina and Rice with our Pirate Game Day countdown. That will come your way starting at 4 o'clock on Saturday. The uh, Pirates taking on the Rice Owls in the American Athletic Conference opener. East Carolina football coverage on our Pirate Game Day countdown fueled by Bush Light will be heard at 4 p.m. right here on 94.3 The Game, 94.3thegame.com, and the IBX media app, which is free for download, Google Play, and the App Store. No pre-roll ads, and uh, you can uh, download that take it on the go with you today network coverage begins at 5 107.9 wnct and other stations uh kick in and uh, then we will have uh, the uh, kickoff uh, coming at seven actually it's four to six six o'clocks when the network kicks in and then uh, seven o'clock is the uh, kick i was hung up there on texas time uh, speaking of uh, 107.9 wnct congratulations to uh, mark and laura Morning show duo. They won uh, for a fourth year in a row at the North Carolina Broadcasting uh, Association Awards that were held today. You'll remember a year ago, uh, our sister station, WTIB, was named the station of the year in the state of North Carolina. It's now nominated for a uh, Marconi. In fact, it's a, a finalist for the Marconi Awards later on next month. And uh, I didn't get the invite this year to go to the big meal. I was hoping. I think it's uh, at the Angus Barn in Raleigh. So that would have been fun because the food was tremendous last year. And it was great to have to have won and seen a lot of old friends as Mick Mixon went into the uh, Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Uh, so that's uh, kind of what is happening uh, here today. Dom Kosulke is producing today's uh, effort. Dom is going, as I understand it, to Charlotte this weekend as a fan of the Vikings, the 0-3 Vikings. Pilkington's taking you to the game, Dom. Is this is this happening? Did my sources, hashtag sources, uh, tell me right on that? Your sources are correct. We get to go to the toilet bowl. I'm so excited. It's uh, not exactly a battle of the Titans for sure, right? No, but the Vikings are going to pick it up, and they're going to win three in a row, and they're going to beat the Panthers, Chiefs, and the Bears. So they're going to be three and three. I will say this. Uh, they should could win two of those three. I I do think your Vikings have been the wrong end of some bad luck. I I very much agree. We should at least be one and two. We should have one of those wins. Right. Could have maybe two, but yes, I, you should at least be one, and, and then you'd be two and two, and everybody be looking at this a little bit differently uh, than they are right now at 0-3. But uh, we'll see. Uh, Panthers and the... Uh, vikes this weekend in fact uh, we'll have that for you on 1037 wtib beginning at noon on saturday excuse me noon on sunday and uh, jim zoki is going to be with us coming up in a little bit we're going to talk to zoke about this 
and we're going to talk to Zoke uh, about the uh, game at Rice. So uh, looking forward to uh, to having uh, Jim Zoki on the program, and uh, we'll uh, catch up with him in just a few minutes. Uh, also, bottom of the hour, thereabouts, Brian Mull, who uh, covers golf, golf writer, we'll talk with him uh, about the Ryder Cup. So I'm looking forward to uh, doing that. Right now, let's uh, jump in for a pirate report here on 94.3 The Game. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, a couple things to talk about here include uh, the uh, comments from uh, Coach Houston yesterday evening. This was his opening statement after Wednesday's practice. Good Wednesday practice. So, uh... Got uh, a little bit of cool weather out there, so it's starting to feel a little bit more like uh, getting towards fall around here. Uh, not going to be like it on Saturday. It'll be mid 90s Saturday down in Houston, so uh, it'll be more of our typical Eastern North Carolina weather down there. So uh, kids are excited. Uh, it's a big challenge. Very good Rice football team, so we've got our hands full. All right, uh, Coach Houston talking about Luke McCaffrey and what a special player he is. I think he is a really good football player. I mean, he does a lot of stuff for them. And, you know, the way he competes for the ball in tight coverage, uh, very impressive. Um, you know, we, we, we've got a tremendous challenge. Um, you know, the kids know it. And so they're, uh, you know, they're, they're preparing for it. But uh, he's a special player. And uh, as we know, JT Daniels is, uh, well, his, his, I guess realistically you would say doubtful for the game because of his lower leg injury. Again, I don't think anything's been made official on that as of yet. Uh, but uh, Coach Houston talked about preparing for a pair of quarterbacks this week. Of course, uh, their main starter, but also the backup who did come in after uh, Danielson got hurt and uh, came in and uh, uh, played against USF in the latter stages of that game. Here is uh, Coach Mike Houston on that. We've got to prepare for you know the other guys also. And so uh, it does create a little bit of a challenge. But, uh, you know, Daniels is such a prolific passer. You know, we've got to make sure that uh, we're prepared for him. We're expecting him to play. Uh, but I think, you know, the other two guys present some issues also. So, uh, you know, we're trying to prepare for all of them. All right. And then uh, Coach Houston on still having to prepare for the run despite Rice's struggles in running the football this year. Their head football coach is an O-line guy. You know, so he's, he, he wants to run the football. I know they're throwing the ball for, you know, a lot of yardage and stuff. But, you know, we got to make sure we prepare for everything. And I think that's very important. I think it would be foolish of us not uh, to focus in on, uh, on stopping both. But, uh, it's, uh, you know, it does, it does present, present some challenges with the way they throw the football. All right. So uh, that is that. And uh, that is today's Pirate Report. Uh, we are... Uh, Looking at a few things here with Rice, um, and uh, they said the other day that Daniels, JT Daniels' health was uh, better uh, and uh, better than it was, obviously, Sunday, the day after the injury. Um, They're saying he's preparing to start this week. We'll see. I mean, nothing again that has indicated anything to the uh, contrary. Uh, and uh, Coach uh, Bloomgren talked about East Carolina this week, talked about their defense, 
uh, talked about uh, the quarterbacks uh, for the Pirates and uh, how it is different than uh, what uh, East Carolina looked like on film last year. Uh, and uh, he's he's uh, believing that the Pirate defense could, uh, or excuse me, Pirate offense could present some troubles uh, for the Owls. Uh, he also talked about his relationship with uh, Coach Houston going back to 2 when uh, Mike was the head coach of T.C. Roberson in uh, Asheville and uh, Bloomgren was coaching at Catawba College and uh, he recruited uh, the Asheville school as part of uh, Catawba's uh, area that he recruited. And uh, he said the moment of them playing, uh, coaching rather, against one another in a major college football game, he said was uh, pretty cool. So uh, that's a it's a pretty interesting uh, story there that goes back. Uh, and uh, the uncertain status of uh, Daniels. Uh, so they've got a third quarterback on there as a precaution on their two deep. You know, A.J. Paget is the uh, freshman. Uh, and uh, then they've also got another freshman, Chase Jenkins, uh, who maybe end up being the backup. We don't know. I... We'll see. Again, they nothing that I've seen uh, yesterday or today shows anything official on that. And, uh, you know, like Coach Houston not announcing who the starter is going to be until maybe game day publicly, uh, you know, that's kind of what uh, the tact, I guess, Rice is sort of using uh, here. So we will see. All right. Uh, well, that's today's Pirate Report. Uh, got some ECU soccer tonight as well. Don't know if Dom will have that in his update, but he may. And uh, we'll uh, prepare uh, to tell you about that later on in the show. Okay, let's get a timeout. Jim Zoki is going to get on the line with us. Lots to talk about with, uh, with uh, Zoke, as there always is. Uh, Pirates and Panthers and Jim Zoki. oh my, uh, coming up here on the Patrick Johnson Show here on uh, 94.3 The Game, 94.3thegame.com and uh, on the IBX Media app. We will uh, take a break and come right back with uh, Jim Zoki after this. You ready for this? Oh, I'm very ready. Okay, ready? You ready? Streaming to the world at 943thegame.com. This is the Patrick Johnson Show. Now in all his glory, here's the P-Man. Okay, uh, welcome back here to the Patrick Johnson Show. It's great to have you on this uh, Thursday. We've got uh, Brian Mull coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk a little Ryder Cup with him. Uh, also coming up uh, tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show, one of the uh, world-class athletes to come out of uh, Pitt County, uh, Christy Overton Johnson, is going to be on the uh, show with us. Uh, and uh, excited to speak to her, a world champion water skier. I've wanted to talk to her for a long time. Uh, she has uh, got an event coming up Saturday during the day called Festival at Hope at Wildwood Park. We'll get into that with uh, her tomorrow uh, and uh, talk a little bit about uh, her career, but also that event that's going to be in Greenville. Plenty of time before the ECU game. Uh, we'll be on tomorrow at 6, following uh, the Logan Zone, of course. He'll be back live tomorrow. We'll coach after uh, being out last week. So uh, we will have uh, our program following his, and that will lead you into Rose Rampant uh, football coming up on uh, Friday night. Uh, also, speaking of high school football, Ron Cook will be with us. Uh, great things he's done at Farmville Central uh, as far as the on-the-field product, but off the field, a lot of what uh, 
he does with this team is uh, pretty interesting stuff. So we'll tell you all about that coming up later on uh, tomorrow on the Patrick Johnson Show. Right now, Jim Zoki is uh, on the line with us here. Uh, of course, uh, calling ECU football this season, and Zoke will uh, be also on the uh, Panthers broadcast on Sunday. So Jim Zoki joins us from Parts Unknown uh, today. Uh, Zoke, how are you? Uh, Charlotte. I'm in Charlotte. I'm doing well, Patrick. Hope you are. <laughs> Charlotte, excuse me. I'm sorry. He's. I was in your uh, fair city for... Uh, a brief bit on uh, Friday night. So on my way out to climb, I made the stop there down from the speedway and saw Tony Stewart in the uh, hotel checking well, into you the uh, in Charlotte. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I just gave him the nod. He looked exhausted and I was exhausted. <laughs> I think we were both a little grumpy. So I just gave him the nod. I didn't, I didn't go and do the Henry Hinton thing where I went up and said, Patrick Johnson, big fan with the hand extended. Although I have interviewed Tony a couple times, but I, I, he, his wife was checking in. They had a dog. It was late. I think he had had enough. That's just my observation. Yeah, I think you made the right call on that one. You're a busy and you're a busy guy. You don't have time for that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was kind of ready to get up uh, to my room and go to bed. All right, uh, Zoke, let's uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, what do you want to go with first, Panthers or, or Pirates? What do you want? It's your call. Spin the wheel. You know, I feel like we always start Panthers. Why don't we talk about the, the team coming off a win? We'll talk about ECU to start today. Okay. Let's start talking about the Pirates then uh, first. I think uh, for me, Zoak, it was a case of uh, you played a team that was uh, you could overmatch, and sometimes we see teams against these FCS teams play with their food a little bit, and it gets unnecessarily close, uh, or the other Team hangs around for an unnecessary amount of time. And East Carolina did the exact opposite of that on Saturday night. So uh, from your perspective in the uh, Jeff Charles booth, what did you see? I think, you know, they took care of business, like you said. I mean, uh, you know, you, you, you played both ends of the spectrum. You begin on the road at number two, Michigan, and then you play a home game against an FCS team, but a quality FCS team that gave App State a run for their money earlier this season. So, uh, I think it was uh, it was a good test, and I think it was a chance for them to get more players some playing time because of the lead they built. But you know, you're four games in now too, and you're getting ready to go into conference play at zero and zero in conference play. Uh, you know, we talked so much about it over the past four weeks. You've got all these new pieces, whether it's a, a backup player starting, uh, a freshman that's playing college for the first time, it's a transfer kid who's new to the program, somebody playing out of position, whatever. You know, now you got four games. And I feel like, you know, there's a thing that was kind of missing, especially maybe more so anyway on the offensive and the defensive side, although it applies to both sides, is, is getting game experience. That can only happen to this point on Saturdays. And so I think now you got four weeks of that, and I think everybody's better for it. So I think you have a better sense of who fits where, who's playing well, and, and guys getting situated both on offense and defense here. So uh, the fact that it was Gardner-Webb uh, made it a little bit easier, but I think if they were playing somebody – uh, closer to their level even, I think this still would have been a night where the Pirates would have won the way they are playing football. You know, and I think, Zoke, with the uh, weather, East Carolina handled that so much better. It's it's like Gardner-Webb had never seen a raindrop before. <laughs> it's called Boiling Springs. You think it, the name itself lends itself to water. You would I think. Mean, you would think, you would you would think, think yes, but, but uh, that, yeah, that, you that was not the those. case. I know both uh, both sidelines were, were wanting you know to get you know more drier footballs out there. I don't know what the process is. I guess there's some kind of technical <laughs> issue with that. 
but it certainly affected both teams. But to your point, ECU handled that better. And although they didn't win the Marshall game, they played a game that uh, had obviously you know weather in it with the Marshall game the last time. So I think um, you know that that's that was a factor in it. Uh, but it wasn't like they're playing like in a hurricane, so it shouldn't be like the reason. Uh, but uh, I think it, all these things help you. Heck, we've we've played in Michigan, we've played on a mountain, uh, we've played in rain, and now we're gonna go play where it's like still the middle of July and August, going to to Rice, where it probably be ninety four degrees on Saturday. Yeah, it's been hot in Texas all summer. I mean, it's just, I mean, like excessively hot, and you know, it's Indian summer out there because it's. What ninety five on Saturday in Houston? Jeez. So yeah, not going away. So they'll, they'll experience everything. Of course, you know they had all the, all the uh, training camp and practices this summer in Greenville under similar situations. There, it's just kind of like you said, it's a, it's a second summer, if you will, to just kind of enjoy a little yeah. longer. Yes, it's like that chart that we uh, see from the Weather Authority guy on Facebook. <laughs> you know, you you were here. You know, false <laughs> fall. Second summer, that kind of stuff. Um, hey, Zok, uh, Jim Zoki on the line with us uh, here. Zok, uh, the defense through a month into this thing has probably been the most consistent part of the uh, Pirates, or at least they've played a lot of good defense, I think, by and large. You know, a few busts here or there uh, in the first couple games, but I, I really think that the defense is, has been the uh, more impressive side of the ball to date. And uh, that obviously showed getting the first shutout in uh, about a quarter century on uh, on Saturday. So um, the other thing I liked defensively was uh, Mike Houston seemed to play a lot more people. He and Blake Harrell on uh, on Saturday, and that's even before it got out of hand. Uh, we were seeing a lot of bodies in there, and uh, I think that bodes well for this pirate defense because you got some meaningful snaps for some guys that can provide some quality depth in, in conference play. Well, yeah. So you got that, you got reps, you got playing experience and you got fresher legs in the second half. You know, they, they finished the game out and we saw that in the last two games against Marshall and app heading into that where, you know, well-documented that ECU had the lead and the, you know, the Marshall game, you know, you, you got up to get a hot dog and you came back and three touchdowns were scored. So, you know, I think some of that, not all of that, you know, some of that was, you know, uh, you know, missed assignments and missed tackles. Uh, but some of that is, you know, he's getting leg weary after a while out there. So to have depth and rotation, and, you know, that was something that was done earlier on in these uh, last uh, couple games now is, is getting more bodies in there and shuffling them in because it's, a, you know, college football, you get a lot of snaps. And you would thought the way that um, Gardner Webb likes to play with tempo, you know, they were running 85, 90 plays. So you thought you would need that. But of course, ECU was able to, shut so much of that down that they didn't have those long sustained drives. So yeah, the depth is going to matter. And I think at a week like this, you know, you look at this team's obviously pass heavy, especially if JT Daniels plays for Rice, you know, having someone like Sam Danka getting the most reps that he's had in a game this year. And yeah. a six foot yeah. six guy that could drop into coverage. BJ Davis getting more and more comfortable back there. You know, these are guys that can, can add and Antoine Jackson getting his first start under his belt. You know, that that's a lot more experience than he had a week ago, right? Uh, being able to get ready for this game. Back to the offense, Jim. Uh, Rajay Harris, what has stood out to you in his performance so far this season? Downhill runner. I mean, just running with authority. And just that, that's, that's kind of like a sledgehammer, the way he slices through there at times. And finding the end zone, getting touchdowns. So, I mean, I, you know, when, when you talk to the coaches, you know, there are certain guys that are important players and they're good football players. And then there are some that are also, you know, leaders. And the other guys look up to them and they kind of follow the lead of those players in the locker room. 
and, and Rajay is all that. You know, the defense, I think, probably is more of that. And on offense, uh, he's probably you know right at the top of that list as far as who are the leaders on the offensive side. So as he goes, sometimes goes the offense. And now you look at that whole running back room, and, you know, Javius Bond and Camaro Edmonds and uh, Gunn and Green, you know, looking at what Harris does and the way he came back from his injury and leading by example and then vocally, I think he, he presents a lot. So I think there's certain guys that are that energy uh, that the, the other guys feed off of, and he's certainly one of those. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, looks physically more comfortable out there than he did a month ago. We've got Jim Zoki on the line with us here. Uh, Zoke, uh, last thing uh, on the Pirates before we talk to – or next to last thing, we'll, we'll ask you for some summation of all of this at the very end of uh, this uh, award-winning and gripping interview that I'm conducting. Uh, <laughs> it's certainly, it's the singer, not the song, as you know, Jim. Uh, but uh, as far as um, – Javius Bond, have you ever seen somebody, Jim, in all your years that uh, goes out and makes just huge hits on special teams coverage and then comes in and runs the ball and, and is, I mean, for a freshman to do that, it's pretty darn impressive. Uh, no, it's very impressive. And he, and he got up, you know, giving himself high fives all the way across the field back to the <laughs> sideline before his teammates were able to greet him and, and give him some more high fives after that. But yeah, you got to love a kid like that who's Clearly, and you know, some of these kids come in, they're very talented, and, and they want to be treated like they're talented. You know, this guy doesn't mind giving it up on special teams as a returner, and then, as you said, as a gunner on special teams making a big play, tackling it. It's another tone setter when you have a guy like that who is willing to sacrifice for the team and not just waiting for his, his runs and his receptions. You know, when a guy will do it all and he'll block and he'll do special teams and all that, that's when you really got something that's a brick-and-mortar thing where you can you can win and that's a win first guy to me more than a guy that's worried about his stats and that kind of thing. And he's a talented yeah, player, absolutely. obviously. You guys, you guys saw yeah. Keaton Mitchell. I mean, you know, I'm just jumping down here this year, but it's like, you know, obviously he's a special talent. I think once he gets healthy and is out there for the Ravens, we'll see what he can do in the NFL. But I think Bond has that potential. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jim Zoki with us. You'll hear Zoke uh, Saturday on 107.9 WNCT and right here on 94.3 The Game beginning at 6 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. with the uh, kick, and uh, Zoke will be uh, on the broadcast of Pirate Football uh, on Saturday night for the conference opener against Rice. Uh, we've also got uh, him on 103.7 WTIB as uh, the Panthers host the Vikings. Our guy Dom, by the way, whose granddad played for the Vikings, uh, is going to the game with Philip the Ref Pilkington, Zoke. So, uh like Ben B. Baby, you know, they're going to make the trip out to Charlotte. And if they need you, they've got your number. So just be warned. Be warned if they run into some issues. I've told them to call you first. So you, you've been. Well, I, I appreciate that. I think I have some leftover bail bond money from when B. Baby came out last year. Yes. So uh, yes. whatever's left over in the coffers is certainly theirs if it'll help them get out of it and get out of trouble. These are good boys, unlike Ben. All right. So. Uh, Bryce Young, he's on track to return to the uh, lineup this week. I would say so. I mean, they'll always keep that you know down to the to the wire, just in case there's a setback. You know, sometimes people wake up and you know you have you know some kind of you know reaction to what you did the day before, as far as you know some swelling or whatever. But as we sit here talking at this moment, uh, he's ready to go. The fact they brought him out uh, today for the podium interview speaks a lot because if you have an injured player, you're not going to do that. And he went through all the practice stuff two days in a row now. So, yeah, it looks like he is ready to roll. And people are like, you know, what about that versus how well Andy Dalton played and the offense moved last week? Well, you're heavily, heavily invested in Bryce Young. And while he can learn some things 
watching a game. The best way is to play the game. And I, I think, you know, that you got to stick the course here, that you're not building around a 35-year-old quarterback. You're building around a 22-year-old quarterback. So uh, I, I, I think Bryce will get it. Everyone's in this track meet of who's the best guy so far. And, you know, C.J. Stroud's off to a good start, obviously, with Houston. But I would say, you know, the, the, the same things you, you, they thought they saw in Bryce Young, they're still seeing that in practices and all that. So I think it's just a matter of time before that success comes on Sundays. Well, you know, and, and Dalton, you're not going to win games in 2023 with Andy Dalton throwing nearly 60 times. So, I mean, you've got to find a running game regardless of who the quarterback is. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of guys either totally missing or limited in practice, at least yesterday. I uh, don't know if there's any updates on that today necessarily, Jim, but uh, a lot of guys are, are hurt, maybe lost for the year or for several weeks, and uh, other guys are just kind of really banged up right now. Yeah, I mean, you began before the Seattle game with losing both J.C. Horn and Shaq Thompson on the defense. Yep. Xavier Woods yep. looks like he's going to be a while with his hamstring. Uh, encouraging news is that Frankie Louvu did return to practice today, so he's back out okay. there. So that's that's to me that that hip pointer is at a point where he sees able to play with that. C.J. Henderson's been out there the last two days, which again he's not your best cornerback, but he's uh, he's one of your top three, and you need him right now with the the injuries in the secondary there. So that was good news. Uh, Mingo is in the concussion protocol, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been yeah injuries on top of them not winning a football game, playing another team that's not won a football game coming up, and they're a dangerous one. The Vikings obviously can load up on the points. Yeah, and they've been the uh, on the wrong end of some some kind of bad luck too. Um, should at least have a win, maybe a couple, you could argue. But I mean, for Minnesota, uh, offense is not the problem, is it? No, I mean this is the second ranked passing attack in the league. Kirk Cousins is leading in all the major passing categories, and Justin Jefferson is the leading receiver, like he always is. Right now, he's <laughs> defending NFL Offensive Player of the Year. But you're right. Last year they were the Vikings were 11 and 0 in one possession game. 11 and 0. This year they are 0 and 3. All three games have been one possessions and they lost. So you know teams talk about brand and they talk about you know what they are as a team and this and that. It goes to show you it's a fine margin, the thin line. Uh, so the same team that was winning every close game hasn't won them this year, and they they ended up with a great record last year. And uh, and things went their way. Now their record, they're already against the wall and trying to avoid 0 and 4. So. That's um, that's the NFL for you. You could have one of the great offenses here, but you know on defense they're they're giving up obviously more points than they're scoring, and that's the problem. They're able to put points on the board, but they're not really stopping anybody. Number twenty-seven in the league in yards. Joke, so, real quick. When Kirk Cousins' career's over, other than he'll have a boatload of money, uh, what will we be saying about Cousins? Because he he's put up some at times some really good numbers. He has. I think you know people think about. He was one of those front end of the, the big contracts when they got into the $30 million a year range. And uh, the feeling was that uh, they overpaid for him and they weren't really doing that well. They were being mediocre with that. To your point now, last year and the way he's playing now, uh, you know, he's, he's playing at, at a really high level. He's, he's playing up to, you know, what would be expected for a guy being paid that kind of money. Again, he didn't write the check, but there's an expectation that comes with all of that. So I, I would say he was definitely would be not considered like a great quarterback, but a good quarterback. And uh, I've heard some talk that, you know, as the Jets go through this season, if they can hang into contention, that uh, maybe a deal could be made if the Vikings record gets down south and maybe they, they swing another big deal and they, they try to cash in on what they're trying to do this year and, and take a one-year option here on 
Kirk Cousins to, to be that piece that Aaron Rodgers was supposed to be. So we'll see. So I, I think, yeah, I, I would put not only just good, but a very good quarterback. But he's got great receivers. I mean, he had Adam Thielen last year. He's doing a great job with the Panthers. And yeah. obviously, having Jefferson, you got, you know, probably the best offensive weapon in the league altogether. So that helps him out, too. All right, Zoke, a uh, couple keys for the Pirates, a couple keys for the Panthers this uh, weekend. Well, since we're on the Panthers, we'll stay there. I think, you know, they need to continue with the explosiveness of what they showed with Andy Dalton, at quarterback, last week. Granted, they uh, they fell behind in the second half, so they had to sling it, but they were up 13-9 to in the second quarter. And by that, I mean uh, explosive in, in both phases, being able to run the ball, too. I mean, the last two weeks, they've not run the ball well. And, you know, Miles Sanders, at this point, is under three and a half yards per carry. So, Again, they've had offensive line injuries, as we know. Both guards have been out, uh, and uh, one's not coming back this year. So they, they've got to figure out a way of creating some some running lanes in the traditional running game there. And then again, just getting more big chunks. And then defensively, they're going to have to, you know, just keep it reasonable against Justin Jefferson and T.J. Hawkinson, one of the great tight ends in the league. We haven't even talked about Jordan Addison, Alexander Madison, the running back. I mean, they have weapons all across the board, sideline to sideline. So yeah, I, you, as uh, Jordan Gross used to use this phrase for being an offensive lineman, lose slowly. You know, don't let them get out and get big chunk touchdowns, 70, 80 yarders, and, and quick drives. You know, try to keep the score reasonable and give Bryce Young and the offense a chance. So I, I think that's the the Panther side. For the Pirates, you know, again, different kind of opponent, a completely different kind of opponent. Uh, but you know, pick up where you left off. I mean, if you can force turnovers and they're number one in the nation, uh, based on last week, of course, more than anything. In fumble recoveries, you know, get get takeaways because uh, if he plays, you know, JT Daniels is going to get his yards. I mean, that's what he does. He's not going to leave the pocket. But he's going to throw for a lot of yards, and he's going to be throwing the ball to Luke McCaffrey. Uh, so they're going to get points and they're going to get yards. I, but you probably got to get some takeaways going there. And I think for them on offense, you know, they they found something last week—a little chemistry with that new offensive line rotation that they've got in there. As far as the starting five of that went, uh, lots of options at running back, obviously. I feel like every week the, the receivers in the pass game get a little bit more in sync with what's going on with the, the quarterbacks that are throwing it. So uh, I, I think each week there's been some incremental improvement offensively and then defensively. You, you know you're going to give up some yards. You know you're going to give up some points and maybe some more takeaways like they want to do every week. That's the kind of thing they harp on. Hey, Zoke, thanks a lot. We'll uh, catch up with you next week. And in two weeks, we may be doing the show from outside the stadium into the pregame show. So if you're in town early, you're going to get drafted to come to our our. They, I might get a riser or a stage when I tell them you might be coming by the show. We might get some. Yeah, I was, just won't be behind I was a disappointed. You, I was disappointed you and uh, and Joe didn't have that last time I was out there because you deserved that. I believe you two were splitting one bottle of water on a very hot day as well. So we need to get some more <laughs> amenities, accommodations. Right. We've got a concessions for you guys uh, to stay hydrated, Preach. first of all. But I will be I will yeah. be there, so count count on that being part of the show. I will definitely be out there early. All right. Preach. All right, uh, the great Jim Zoki. Thank you, Zoke. All right, Patrick, anytime. All right, there he goes, our pal Jim Zoki, and uh, he'll be uh, all over our airwaves this weekend. Let's uh, send it over to Dom Kosolke now. Quick 94-3 The Game update and Pirate Report. And then uh, coming up, uh, Brian Mole will talk Ryder Cup uh, with him here in the next few minutes. Uh, golf writer, our pal. Uh, so all of that still to come on the Patrick Johnson Show. I'm Dom Kosoki with your 94.3 The Game sports update and pirate report. 
Saturday, it's the AAC opener as ECU travels to Texas to play the Rice Owls. ECU has started Alex Flynn at quarterback the past two weeks. He's looked solid on the field, and he hopes to continue against Rice. Here's Donnie K with an update on his health. He's the healthiest he's been since he got banged up today. Today, you got to know Alex. Alex is not ever very high or very low. He, he, you know, me and him, we, we're opposites a little bit. I'm personality A. He's about C, I think, or something, if there is such a deal. He's never real high. Today, I could tell he felt better. For the first time, he actually said, yeah, I'm really starting to feel good. The Pirate defense is in for a challenge against the Owls. Rice threw for 491 yards last week but struggled to run the ball. Blake Harrell speaks on keeping them one-dimensional. Yeah, I think they've had uh, over 500 yards of offense a couple different times this year. He threw for 491 uh, combined last week in the air. Um, Their head coach is an O-line coach, so I think they still want to be run the football first. Um, and that's still what we got to stop first to make them one-dimensional. Um, but certainly the first team we've seen this year that's not heavy, heavy run, Michigan, at Marshall, Gardner-Webber, all, all those type of things. So uh, a little bit different. There's action tonight in the American. Temple and Tulsa meet on ESPN at 7.30 p.m. Tulsa is favored by three and a half points. Thursday night football in the NFL as Detroit takes on Green Bay. The Lions open up as two and a half point favorites despite playing in Lambeau Field. The first overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft is expected to make his return to the field in Week 4. Panthers head coach Frank Reich said that quarterback Bryce Young is on track to return to the starting lineup against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday. Wide receiver DJ Chark, linebacker Frankie Louvu, offensive tackle Taylor Moten, and safety Xavier Woods did not practice or participate in the first-team practice of the week. Wideout Jonathan Mingo, cornerback C.J. Henderson, Running back Miles Sanders and guard Chandler Zavala and defensive end LeBrian Ray were all limited. In other news, the team has added wide receiver Matt Landers to the practice squad after quarterback Jake Luton was signed to the Saints active roster. Your Carolina Hurricanes cruised to their second straight preseason win. Carolina defeated the Florida Panthers 4-1 at PNC Arena. Michael Bunton, Stefan Nozen, Brady Shea, and Ryan Suzuki all lit up the lamp in the win. The Canes are now 2-0, 2-0-0 this preseason. They will challenge the Panthers and Tampa Bay Lightning on the road in split squad preseason action. In Ryder Cup news, the longtime pairing of Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas will not be playing. They sit early as their teammates attempt to secure some points at the onset of the 44th Ryder Cup. Team Europe has the best odds to win at minus 105 while the U.S. is at plus 105. And that'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Sports Update. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on the other side of this quick timeout right here on 94-3 The Game. And now, the stunning conclusion of the show. It's the P-Man here on 94.3 The Game. All right, uh, we're back on the PJ Show here today, uh, going until uh, our final set of breaks with Brian Mull, who joins us uh, here on the Deos to talk a little Ryder Cup, uh, which gets underway. Well, many of you will be sleeping tonight around 1.30 in the morning. Mull, joining us from Wilmy World uh, at BG Mull on X. Covers the Masters, writes golf, talks golf. Brian, how are you? Other way. <laughs> how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Patrick. I hope you are. Uh, happy Thursday. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so this all gets underway uh, in the wee hours of the morning. 
the Americans have not won on uh, European soil in uh, more than a generation, isn't it? Uh, a long, long, long time ago. Some of these guys may not even have been born the last time the Americans won on European soil. So two years ago, uh, America wins in very convincing fashion. The European team looked old. Uh, and uh, obviously the rosters flip over in this thing. So uh, set the scene for us here from uh, what, they, what could we expect in gorgeous Rome as they get ready for, uh, for this uh, event to kick off. Yeah, uh, beautiful weather, warm, perhaps the warmest Ryder Cup in recent memory. Uh, temperatures in the high 80s that combined with a pretty hilly, difficult golf course to walk, uh, I think will uh, probably limit how many uh, you know guys can, can play in all five matches. I think both captains will have to be very cognizant of making sure they keep their guys fresh. Uh, as you mentioned, the United States uh, has not found any success in Europe since 1993 when the likes of Lanny Watkins and Payne Stewart and Fred Couples were, were the cornerstones of the team. So uh, mm. obviously the, Tom the driving, Kite. Tom <laughs> Kite, the, the driving in 2014 in Scotland, uh, which prompted uh, the, the pretty heated uh, controversial post match press conference where Phil voiced his displeasure with Tom Watson. That kind of led to the creation of this uh, task force, which has uh, revamped the entire way, you know, the Americans, instead of just feeling like they could send an all-star team over there, they've tried to, to consult analytics and personalities and try to build the best team that they can to be competitive. That has worked great in the States. It has not worked so well over there. Um, at a time when we're seeing a bit of a changing of the guard, especially on the European side. When you look at the stalwarts like uh, Henrik Stenson and Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia, Ian Poulter, none of whom are on the team this year, uh, all four of them very very good ball strikers, especially in the foursomes, um, and, and kind of were the backbone of the team in many ways. So uh, a lot of questions on both sides, and the biggest being can the Americans, uh, who are now – yeah, pretty much even, maybe even a slight underdog in certain markets. Uh, can they finally get a win in Europe? All for entertainment purposes only, of course. So uh, the Euros have uh, Rory McIlroy, he's teamed with Fairway Jesus, Tommy Fleetwood uh, in this uh, opening foursome. And then there's also the, I, I think right now, the best player in the world, Victor Hovland on the Euro team. So, uh, you know, they've got some, a good mix of guys who've done this before, but also uh, in the case of Hovland, someone who I, I just think is lights out and tough as nails. Yeah, to me, Victor has a long future as the number one player in the world whenever um, he, he happens to get there. I think he has major championships in his future. He, he, he's certainly came out, uh, you know, uh, one of the top amateurs and highly touted, and he has worked to address his two weaknesses, which were his short game and his course management. He was too aggressive, especially in the big tournaments, and he realized that, uh, you know, with some data study and maturity and good coaching that, you know, you can hit the ball 25 feet from the hole sometimes, and that's okay. You don't have to attack every flag. And uh, pairing him with Aberg, who is uh, – you know, he's already won. He just turned pro. He was the number one college player, finished up at Texas Tech in June, turned pro, had had success immediately, won on the European, the DP World Tour about a month ago, which clinched his spot on the team. Interesting side note on Aberg, the first uh, competitor in, in modern history to play in a Ryder Cup before he plays in a major championship. Um, 
So uh, this is all new for him. It'll be and certainly pairing him with some a steadying force like Hovland, fellow Scandinavian. Uh, it's a smart move on Luke Donald's part, and they're expecting a lot from Aberg. I think we'll see him probably uh, in four, at the very least three, if not four matches in the next few days. All right, we've talked about the Euros, uh, the American team. There's, is it six captains picks or four captains picks that, six. that they have right now? Six. Um, what do you think of the the six captains picks that the U.S. Uh, Zach Zach Johnson made? You know, um, I was against the Justin Thomas pick initially. Um, I understand why he was picked. I think there were s- some other candidates who certainly had an opportunity to make a case for themselves on the golf course over the last couple of months of the, of the season, and they they frankly couldn't. They did not. And well, did left- JT though? I mean, JT was awful in some of these events. He was awful in in, in shot in the eighties and two majors. Uh, he did not look like himself in any form or fashion, but uh, has flashed a little bit of form late with a decent finish at Greensboro and then a top five at the Fortinet in the in the first event of this fall season. Um, and I think it just his experience, not only his ability to partner with Jordan Spieth, but just his tremendous record and his, his fiery spirit, which is what a lot of people criticize the Americans for not having compared to the Europeans in, in many of previous Ryder Cups. And I think he just galvanizes the team room, and uh, they feel like he's a gamer who uh, can, can find a way in an 18-hole match to perform. Okay, who else? The other captain's picks. Uh, well, Moore Cowell was obvious. I mean, he was a guy who was right on the fringe. Um, right. Certainly, uh Jordan Spieth is another guy that you're probably not going to go over there without him, uh, although right. his, his form's not been terrific. Um, Sam Burns was a uh, was a pick that, um, you know, could certainly be questioned. He was uh, – yeah. he's Scotty Scheffler's buddy. He did win the match play tournament in Austin back in the spring, so he, he showed right. some form in this format. But, um, you know – these will all be great picks if they perform and the U.S. wins, and if they don't, they will certainly be second and triple guest uh, even further. What is the reception to Brooks Kepka in the locker room? I think the players respect Brooks Kepka. I think his play, the way he, his confidence, the way he carries himself. I think Brooks is a guy who. Uh, is very good uh, at staying out of the drama, staying above the fray, even though he likes to stir the pot every once in a while with some comments, but those are just come from a confidence and, and a career, uh, you know, that he, he can back it up. Uh, I think if, if you're an American and uh, they're telling you Brooks Kepka's on your golf team, then you feel a little bit better about your chances to win. Although his record's a bit indifferent in these team events and uh you know, let's not forget that he and his wife just had a baby uh, recently, and and his performance in the last four or five live events, uh, ever really since winning the PGA, um, not great. So, uh, we'll be interesting to see what kind of effort we get out of him this week. Well, he missed some time too, as you said. He and his wife had a child, uh, so I mean, that's part of it, right? I mean, that's that's part of that's getting back in the swing of, uh, of things. Was there anybody else on live that maybe deserved or warranted serious consideration? I, I, I tend to think there were. What about you? Well, uh, the obvious one is Bryson with two wins yeah, the Shambo. out there. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, I think even beyond that, his uh, admission that the the strategy for just trying to overpower every golf course and chasing distance was a was a poor one. And, and the, the fact that he uh, kind of modified his approach and and rethought uh, what he needed to do uh, and, you know, didn't have the best year in the majors, but certainly had a good finish at the PGA. I just think the it's a chemistry thing. And I think there was always a question of who do you pair Bryson with? They've never really been able to find a good partner for him. And I think that's really what led to the, the decision um, Zach seemed kind of indifferent or, or, or just not interested in any of the live guys. Um, I would have probably wanted to pick Bryson DeChambeau if I'm taking a team over, over seats in particular. Yeah. Maybe over Sam Burns for sure. Um, but again, it is what it is. These, 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 uh, guesses or these, uh, picks will be second guessed and triple guessed, as you say, uh, depending on how it goes. So, you know, you. This seems to be about even, as you said, uh, on paper. But we play them on courses. That's why. Uh, that's why it doesn't matter what it says on paper. So, uh, what are you anticipating uh, in the uh, half past uh, one Eastern time this morning uh, when, when this thing begins? I, I think I'm looking at these matches. Um, I mean, first of all, we've got two incredible matches with 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 Rom and Hatton. For Scheffler and Burns, and then uh, the, the the marquee matchup, of course, is McElroy, who they've had a hard time finding a partner for, much like the Americans did for many years with Tiger. Uh, he he has gone through partners. They're, they're hoping that it's Fleetwood playing, uh, you know, probably on paper the Americans' strongest team, Xander mm-hmm. and Cantley. Just the way their games match up, they're both so extremely consistent. Really, don't have any weaknesses, and and have performed well in these events. So. I think a split is is most likely. I don't see, uh, you know, I, I I don't see either side really having a huge advantage here. I, th- I think it, I think we get a two two or maybe two and a half one and a half, um, and then I think the Americans will have the advantage in the afternoon with the four balls, where we'll we'll certainly see Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth paired together. Uh, we'll we'll see guys. We'll see Kepka and Wyndham Clark. Uh, who aren't the most accurate necessarily off the tee, but can certainly uh, make a lot of birdies. This this golf course is going to lend itself to a lot of fireworks. It is uh, it, it's a bit maligned by the architect, uh, you know, aficionados. But as far as uh, match play situation and risk reward and excitement, I think it's going to deliver. All right, who wins? Which side wins it here? Really quick, just one word or one team. Who do you got? U.S. Okay. Good stuff, Brian. Great to talk to you. Follow him. You'll be tweeting about it uh, on X at BG Mole there. Uh, great to talk to you, and we'll catch up with you soon because we got to figure out exactly what this whole PGA live thing is going to look like sooner than later, don't we? Yes, we do. A lot of uncertainty. <laughs> there is. Thanks, Brian. Great to see you, man. Okay. Take care, Patrick. There he is, our pal Brian Mull. Thanks to him for being with us today. Thanks to uh, Jim Zoki for also uh, hanging out on the program today. Uh, and uh, big thanks to uh, Dom Kosolke producing things back in the uh, studio. All right, tomorrow uh, I go at noon with Joey Football and company. Uh, we'll also have the Logan Zone at 5. I'll be on at 6 with Christy Overton Johnson and Ron Cook 
from Farmville Central. Uh, JP2 playing at the top of the hour, a home football game. So good luck to them uh, tonight. We'll see you in the morning on Talk of the Town and back here tomorrow at 6 on the Patrick Johnson Show.